<laughs> welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. It is your boy Marshall, along with my lovely wife, Courtney. Hey, baby, how you feeling? Mm, I'm okay. It's a nice day out. I think I think we kind of both woke up like blah. Yeah, well, you know, stuff going on with stuff. Stuff. Yeah, adulting. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this shit. Um but yeah, welcome to uh Blurred Life with my wife and you're back in here with us from lovely Pennsylvania. Um whenever you're listening to this, Good to have you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we are Courtney and Marshall. This is the nicest up-and-coming Blurred podcast on the internet. Best up-and-coming Blurred podcast on the internet. I mean, I don't I don't know how to quantify it or qualify it, but uh, today we have another new episode with Blurred Life with my wife, Marshall. Why don't you tell the people what we'll be discussing? Something, something, something episode. Um, no. Uh, well, you know, there's, of course, like adulting and stuff like that. But I think we can split this episode kind of in two segments. Number one, I wanted to talk about a movie that we recently saw that just came out that was uh, directed by a woman of color, um, Gina Prince Blythe. Bythewood, Blythewood. I'm probably saying her name wrong. Um, and then we have a social media post that we kind of wanted to go in on a little bit because we kind of got triggered by that. And it was a good conversation that we had. So we figured we would, um, I guess, try and have it again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, but uh, let's catch up real quick. Babe. I mean, how how you feeling? How's your plants? Um, They're doing pretty well. There was like a week or two where I neglected them a little bit. But I mean, luckily for most of my plants, except for maybe like three or four, they are okay with a little bit of neglect. Um, But they're doing good. You know, no, no deaths or anything like that. Hey, all right. No deaths. I'll take it. That's always good. I'm still uh, labbing zero suit seems to be. The very best like no one ever was in Smash Ultimate. So that's always fun. I've been I finished The Last of Us Part Two, which um I think I don't know if we need an episode for it because I feel like when by the time the episode releases, The Last of Us Part Two is gonna be kinda like old news. Yeah, I mean unless we did with like that uh Black Lives Matter one, we just like put it out in place of one of our already pre-recorded ones which i mean i'm never opposed to so it's always good to have some some stuff left in the clip you know just in case yeah keep folks on their toes um that's always positive yeah you're right um but that won't be this show because i need some more time to gather my thoughts and 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 read all the think pieces and and process and it's actually been a couple weeks since i finished it but yeah I don't think I'm good to talk about it in like a review type fashion um, with everything that's going on. So um, let's talk about something that we that is like really, really fresh in our minds. The Old Guard. Yeah, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, Just I think when we watched it, it just came out on Netflix. That was what, Friday the 10th? Something of like July? that. July, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friday the tenth. We watched it on Friday. So you thought that it was really good. I thought that it was really good. Um, I enjoyed it. It was like 
it was an enjoyable premise. Um, you know, they got Charlize Theron. They got Chitawell Ejiofor. Yeah, Chitawell Ejiofor. Um, a newer, a newer um, black woman who played one yeah, of the leads. I think her name was like Kiki. Kiki Lane. Like yeah. Um, who I'm not familiar with a lot of her other work, but um, apparently, you know, she's doing really well for herself, and she was good in the movie. So, um, her skin is like perfect, flawless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. So, it, I, I put out a tweet after we watched it, and I said, "Well, the top three movies that I've watched." on Netflix in quarantine were Extraction with Chris, Chris Helmsworth uh-huh. at number one. And I put the old guard at number two right underneath that. And then six underground with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Michael Bay. I put that at number three. Yeah. They've been really doing good on the like action adventure. Um, I don't want to say feel good, but like what you would think as like, a summer blockbuster type movie Mm -hmm, since, mm -hmm. you know, we're not really having summer blockbusters anymore right now because of COVID. Um, I would say, yeah, I guess I would agree with that, that that placing Yeah, like one, two and three, how you have it. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. That works for me. So let's talk about the old guard. So it's, I guess it's going to be our review of the old guard before we move on to um our other topic i guess so um so i I guess it starts out and you see did it start out with the mission that they did it did and so basically they showed like the fucked up shit and then they said oh like however many days earlier or whatever so they did one of those like oh um pause or like record scratch i bet you're wondering how we got here right, <laughs> and yeah. then like go to how yeah. they got there so so our four protagonists in the beginning including charlie's theron's character oh like this pause just in case because you know people are people this is full of spoilers so if you haven't seen it like don't be like ah, oh, you spoiled it for me like th- th- we're talking about the movie because we saw it and we're talking about it in detail. So hopefully you have seen it. If not, maybe press pause, go watch it, come back. And then you can like argue with us in your head about, you know, what you agree and don't agree about. Absolutely. But again, just so there's no confusion, like we're Spoiler talking about the movie alert for in detail. the old well, guard as much detail. As well, we feel. Yeah. Uh, well, as much as I can remember, and as much as you can remember, which, yeah. you know, I think. I mean, we saw it like us, a day ago, so. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. But, all right, so, starts off with the four protagonists, including Charlize Theron's character, and they're in, like, some, some like, underground installation or whatever, and they get shot up. Like, they get murked. Like, yep. By, like, I mean, like, RoboCop style. Like, bang, 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 everybody's, like, full of, full of. Bullets. Oh, yeah, Swiss cheese. So. And then they, they, they pan into Charlene Theron's character, and then you get the moment where it's like, oh, how did we get here? And then they go back to Charlene Theron, and she meets up with another protagonist named Booker in, like, I want to say, like, a Middle Eastern country? Or yeah, like- it's looking like... I don't want to say Syria. I don't, I don't remember where they said they were, but essentially probably someplace bordering near or very close to Western Africa. Right. So. 
So she meets up with Booker. Uh, you know, there's there's an embrace. They haven't seen each other in however long or whatever. Um, they exchange uh, gifts, um, which uh, you know might be like something that they tend that they tend to do. And Booker brings her to the other two protagonists, um, Nikki and I forget Nikki that the guy's and name. Luca. Yeah. No, no, no. Nikki and Joe. Yeah. Joey and Nikki. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the cast right here. So um, they they embrace. Um, they haven't seen each other. So they they Booker says, hey, you know, we have a job. And Andy, which is Charlize Theron's character, is like, no, we're done. Yeah, she's not into it. She's, she's just like, I'm tired. Yeah, like we, uh, we, we said the last one was the last one and we're not doing this shit anymore. And what the fuck? So long story short, they talk her into meeting this guy who turns out to be Chitowell Edgefort. Chitowell. I think I'm pronouncing it right, as far as I can remember. Who has been in a lot of movies that I've liked. Like, uh, he was a very good anti-hero in Firefly. Yeah. Um, He was in... Ugh, 12 Years a Slave. I never watched that, though. No. So I think a lot of people got to know him from that movie, though. Yeah, that might have um, been like his big... He's done a lot of like sci-fi action oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. He was in um, uh, Doctor Strange. He mm-hmm. played Baron Mordo. Um, he was excellent in that. Uh, and, you know, he was excellent in The Old Guard. He um, was. And so he does a lot of that, like, he's a hero, but he's got some darkness, and then something happens where he's just like, I'm fucking over it. Like, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is trash. This isn't real. And then, like, turns into one of those um, villains that really believes. I mean, for most villains, like, I guess that's kind of what it is really believes that what they're doing is right, type of thing. Yeah, I think that, I think that storytelling has, I'm not going to say evolved, but I think it's in a, in a, in a place right now where to be compelling a villain can't just be evil just to be evil. Yeah. Well, I say all that to say he is kind of typecast uh, just because he does it well. So he's got really good facial expressions too, to convey those type of like, I thought what I was doing was right. And the people that I put my trust in betrayed me type of thing. Like that look on your face that you get when you're like, I didn't mean to do this. Like I thought, you know, whatever, but he's, yeah, his facial expressions are, like pretty magnificent yeah he had one monologue in 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 this film that um made courtney and i we was just like bravo nigga like bravo to you for that uh monologue i don't know if you know which one i'm talking about (laughs) i mean the way that you set it up makes me feel like i should because i don't i think that we both like during the movie was like act like yeah but i mean regardless so he was magnificent we'll gush about him some more but uh so they go to meet him yes and he basically tells them like hey these group of uh, young african girls they were stolen from a village like these these people came and shot up the whole village took the girls and we want you guys to go and get the girls like save them yeah and um so you know charlize darren andy is is hesitant um, you know, he says, you know, well, she says it at first, but when she sees yeah. that that pulls on her heartstrings, she's yeah. like, no, not not today. Right. So. Right. So it's it's basically they're sent into Sudan to save 17 children or, or, or girls from that were kidnapped from like a school or something. So they infiltrate the place. They're badass. They're fucking people up. They get down into this like hangar type of area. Well, so they essentially when they get there, they 
kill some people that are outside that are guards or whatever and they do it efficiently and like really swiftly mm-hmm. and everywhere looks like like basically like mud walls carved into stone stuff like that like what you would expect to find out like in the desert or something like that you know so they get into the lair and they're walking down and they're walking down basically like what looks like cellar you know dug into the the Mm -hmm. rock or the ground Mm -hmm. stairs and stuff and then fucking stainless steel everywhere what what the fuck like where are we and they're like oh fuck and then all of these like SWAT tactical geared up people come out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, shit. And they get shot up. Like, don't even have a chance to fucking really react or anything like that. And they, like, just blow them full of holes. Pink mist everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, camera zooms in to Andy and she's dead. Yeah. Or so it seems. Yeah, they're all shot in the head, basically. Like, I mean, shots everywhere, but you can see they're shot in the yeah. head. And the guy's are like, whew, okay, did it, you know fine great and then we zoom into Andy's face and her pupils are dilated and then they start to narrow and then she starts making these little noises and you're like oh shit and stuff starts to heal and so she starts looking around the other her other comrades are going through the same process uh and then she moves and reaches for a gun and one of the guys that are sitting over there you know chit-chatting because they just blew these uh people to to bits these four people to bits they notice and all hell breaks loose and they are like what the fuck is going on so they kill all of them they're like what the fuck happened this was the ambush and then they see cameras in the corners of the room and it's like fuck and who is on the other end of the camera chitwell edgefor they got set up and andy was already very wary of cameras like you saw in the beginning, in the first scene where you see Andy, like somebody was like taking like a selfie with their friends and just so happened to get like Andy in frame. And she goes out of her way cleverly to uh, take a picture for them. But and when she the has picture. the camera, she erases the selfie that they took because she was in that picture. So she's very, very um, careful and calculated about how she's photographed and, because you know to protect them to protect herself and, and clearly they have a pretty big secret which you i mean they put out all these um you know the um the trailers and stuff like that for this so we already know that they're immortal right mm-hmm. so this is setting up everything for you but you know we already know from the trailers and stuff like that and then also this is adapted from a graphic novel so yes yeah so the story's out there but, yeah um so continuing on, they get set up, they come back, they kill everybody that tried to kill them, they escape from the compound, and they basically ditch all of their gear, and you find them the next scene on a train. They're like, you know, escaping the area, going somewhere, mm-hmm. and he's talking about like, that's it, we're done, like, all right, yada, 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 we got to find this dude who gets, who got our video, Um, that's our yeah. new mission. So while they're doing that, now it cuts to a scene of Kiki. And she is a soldier in, I'm going to assume they're in Iraq or maybe Afghanistan, Afghanistan, like in Kabul or something like that. Uh, And they are trying to find essentially a terrorist. Yeah. Um, And they're talking to some women and the women are like, no, he's not here. And one of the women is like, yeah, too. yeah, like nodding. nodding. And she like, like okay, cool. Here, blink twice. Thanks for uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks for letting us talk to y'all. And so they go in there, and they get the dude. He gets shot up, 
um what's her name again in the show? Niall. Niall, that's right. Niall Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. So she gets in there and she's like, What the fuck, y'all? Like, we gotta stop the bleeding. We wanted to get him alive because you know, they guess they wanted to interrogate him. And he's like, Stop it, don't touch me. Um, and then she gets distracted talking to one of her comrades and he slits her throat and she dies. Well, when that happens, everybody on the train startles awake, uh, and essentially we are to understand that her death is also her becoming of an immortal. And apparently whenever another immortal uh, comes into their, well, quote unquote immortal comes into their immortality, um, everyone else who is like them gets a glimpse of the death and they're like, okay, there's a new one. Yeah. They're like psychs. There's, they're they're linked telepathically. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, what the show with um with with uh wolfie yeah sensei they're kind of like them when they when they come to be themselves everybody feels it yeah so um so they feel that and they're like oh shit it hasn't been another hasn't been one in like hundreds of years or something like that like yeah so now they're like well we got to find her because they already know that somebody else is looking for them. So if somebody finds her, then it's like, fuck, she's, you know, they're going to, you know, dissect her, do right, whatever. Torture her, do whatever they do, trap them. Yeah. So they are sidetracked on that mission. And then uh, Niall wakes up and she's got like a little patch on her neck or whatever. And her friends come to see her. And now, one of her you, friends. Her throat was slit open. Yeah, like yeah. she, there's no way she should have survived. Yeah. So people that see her now are like yeah they're looking at her and like i kind of want to breeze through this because it was it was bullshit i mean not really i get it so they're looking at her like what the fuck and i guess you know they probably think since they don't know anything they probably think oh she's known that she could do this all this time and she's sitting here being our comrade letting us die you know and she's out here and she can't die like she could have been saving us or jumping in front of us or she's sitting here crying you know, when one of our other teammates die. Like, you know, she actually cares. But like whatever would go through someone's mind who is small minded and doesn't give a fuck and doesn't care to think like, oh, she really seems surprised about this um, was saying. And so they basically start shunning her and looking at her like she's like a demon or something. I right. don't know. Right. Uh, and then her superiors are like, oh, hey, you you shipping out. And she's like, wait, what? And apparently, I, I honestly think they saw what happened to her and the military was like, oh, we need to start experimenting on this bitch ASAP. Right. Uh, but Andy to the rescue. She knocks out her superiors who are coming to talk to her, knocks her out because she's like, what the fuck? Uh, and then she wakes up in the back of a truck with Andy. They go through some rigmarole. Andy shoots her in the head. And she's like, what the fuck? You shot me. Um. And then they go through this process of like they're in a hangar plane uh and andy speaks to like a pilot in russian uh and says some cute shit and she beats up nile and stuff who thinks they're about to die but they don't she's like oh i guess you can't speak russian um and then they get to their current hideout with uh nikki um joe joe and booker man booker um so and they just start explaining to her about like who they are what they've been through and stuff like that and basically you are and she you know goes through the process of denial and stuff and this isn't me and i'm not doing this and blah blah and they're like i mean bitch you don't have no choice like this is your life now 
Yeah, she's she's very much like, oh, I still want to see my family, and my mom and my brother would miss me, and yada, yada, yada. And the immortals are basically like, yo, like, you're... Yeah, that part of your life is done. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And we get a little background about the other immortals as well, as far as, like, Booker, like, he... Well, back, that comes a little bit later, but... It's in the same hideout, though, right? No. Well... No, it wasn't. It was at their second hideout. Okay. When he starts talking about his family. But um, she does hang out with them. They go to sleep and stuff like that. And then she wakes up terrified. And they're like, yo, what the fuck? And she talks about a dream she saw of a woman locked in a metal box. Um, essentially, a, well, not essentially. She's in an Iron Maiden, basically. Yeah. Um, who is underneath the ocean and is just continuously drowning. Right. Uh, and then they give the background of her. She's basically the companion of Andy. So one of the first immortals that she met. Well, I guess it would be the second because there is someone else mm-hmm, that they met. Mm-hmm, that they talk about, yeah. But they show um, her and how they were like fighting together and stuff like that. And they were side by side. And then they got persecuted as witches and they tried to like hang them and stuff like that. But then when they wouldn't die... Um, they thought they were going to be burned alive together. And they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, always together. We'll be together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they separated them and threw her in an in Iron Maiden, essentially. Well, not so much because Iron Maidens, they look the same, except for they have spikes on the inside. I don't think this yeah, one this has spikes. Yeah, this was a spikeless Iron Maiden. Yeah. It was basically like a like a empty box, but the face had like cutouts so mm-hmm. that you could see like her eyes. And, and they mouth threw her into the ocean. And so essentially she's just drowning and drowning and drowning and drowning. Um, and so that, you know, really fucked up Andy. Um, also they go into, well, I'll let you go. Cause some things happen and you start to piece things together. I started piecing things together around this point, but they give you a little bit more context, which context, which makes more well, sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're the movie whisperer, like you'd be knowing, um, I feel like around this time Niall woke up and was telling him about the dream. And Andy's listening and she walks in. She's like, oh, shit, she's talking about yada, yada, yada. But so it comes to find out that, um, like like you said, Courtney, this was one of the earlier mortals that Andy was uh, a comrade with and she got caught. But um, now wakes up with questions about immortality and, and Andy's telling her, like, you know, we're not really immortal, but it's just at some point in time, our wounds don't heal anymore mm-hmm. and we can die. And, and they're like, there's well, no what? way to tell. Well, yeah. And they're like, there's no way to tell. It just happens. And so that's when I start thinking, hmm, is there no way to tell? Um, but yeah, so they chill in there. They find their hideout or whatever. For somehow they enemies, find their hideout. They find the hideout, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ch- Ch- Booker Ch- gets edge of four. Yeah. yeah uh, Booker gets blown up by a grenade. Um and then the other two get captured. So they go through this thing of trying to get out of the hideout. Uh, Andy kills, again, all these people that are trying to come get them by herself. It's like really cool fight scenes. She's basically battling with a gun or any guns that she picks up from the people that she kills and a sword, like chopping off hands and shit and mm-hmm, cutting mm-hmm, jugulars mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And then they finally get out and they go to one of her hideouts. So at this point they're in, I think Paris or just outside of Paris in a abandoned church. And then after that, they go to another hideout where she was like keeping all her artifacts that she was like hoarding over the years and Mm -hmm. stuff. And this is where 
Booker starts talking to Niall about his family and stuff like that and the things that you lose being immortal and being lonely and stuff and how people, once they find out, like, their whole, the way that they feel about you change because you can't do anything for them and they're suffering and they're dying and they don't believe that you can't do anything for mm-hmm. them. They think mm-hmm. you're being selfish mm-hmm. and that you never love them. So he's really fucked up about, about that. But then we also find that Andy's bleeding. She hasn't healed. What the fuck is going on? So she's coming to the realization it might be her time, but it's like, why is it her time? So this is when I started realizing, um, I believe, and they don't really even actually no. say it. it. It might be a plot hole that they'll go back into. Yeah, but I think sequel. maybe there, it's like the type of thing where they're like, okay, our viewers are smart. They'll get it without us having to like say it. I'm pretty, I feel like whenever someone new pops up, so the oldest or someone old has to go but it's like okay what is the number right because it was andy and then they showed the flashbacks because then she starts thinking again about the woman that got put in the iron maiden but also the man that she was with who um who died who i guess she was like in love with or whatever and they show that he died um in the arms of andy and then the other girl and she's like why won't he stop bleeding how she's like i can't and he's like it's time i think that was around here but anyway she's she's having flashbacks of it and i'm like okay is it because she found the girl but then at that point it was only three of them so i'm like okay well right now there's four of them possibly wink wink and so for now to pop up why now Mm-hmm. is andy going so that's another reason where it's like okay it doesn't really make sense unless they thought that they were the only three and there was maybe that there's only allowed to be a certain number because again mm-hmm. we find some stuff out at the end but a certain number and maybe the other ones were around the world but then when she popped up there were older ones where or i don't know i want to see that's why it doesn't make sense because we're thinking andy is the oldest unless they're implying the man was the oldest and he found her but they never really got into that so yeah i so here but loosely it seems like if one if there's a new one one of the other ones has to lose their immortality um, and of course, you know, if you read the graphic novels, the, uh, or the comic books, however you want to call it, I'm sure they explain it in there. Um, I was too lazy to go look at those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going off of what I see here. Um, but yeah, that's what it seemed like to me. I, I feel like the man was probably older than Andy and they had joined up somehow. And then when he died. It was well, at first. It was probably three of them. It was the man, Andy, and then the woman, who and they were all comrades. But then when the man died, Andy and the woman end up being like comrades for however many years. Yeah, and then to me, also, I was thinking like, does it have to be a certain type of person too? Like a type of person that will put themselves in the position, or or not put not put themselves in the position but are the type of person have the type of like lifestyle whatever where they would get murdered or die in combat or something like that because it's like okay what if you had this gene or whatever to be immortal and like it didn't kick in until you were like 95 and died in your bed and it's like psych you get to live forever i feel like that's probably i feel like that's probably why there aren't more immortals part of it as well because i feel like I feel like in order for your immortalization to be like right, does it have to be a brutal death or something like that? I think it, I think you have to die at a certain age for it to be 
you know what I mean? Like if if you grow old and you never enter a position that, that you but die, no one ever like no one ever said or qualified no. that. So that's what I'm saying. Is it just warriors? Right? Like this gene is like what they are even quantifying as like the warrior gene, but like souped up. They did um, make a point to say that Niles comes from a family of warriors because her dad was in the military as well. And yeah. her mom fought to keep her brother and her, you know, taken care of and so forth and so on. Okay. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, do you have to be like that type of person? Like you have the warrior dream, but this is like an augmented, like mutated version of it where it's the warrior dream plus like you get to live forever if you or you get to come back if you are killed in battle or just like killed in general you know because like i said if if that's not it and you just randomly have the gene or even if you have the warrior dream but you're just like mm, i think i'm just gonna live a life of leisure and then you die you know of natural causes quote unquote at 80 and then you just wake up and you're like cool Get to live forever in this old ass decrepit body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Also, something else that I was thinking about is was Andy's time coming, whereas though she wasn't healing anymore because of her mindset as well, like as to where she was just like, "Yeah, I'm done fighting." Well, so maybe the genie was like, "Okay, bitch, now you can." Well, die. yeah, but I don't think it has anything. And see, that's the thing. I don't know about that because then. What about the the man that she was with who died? I mean, I guess they well, don't go don't, into it, so yeah, we don't know if he was thinking that he's ready to go. But I was that was just something I was musing yeah. about. Like maybe you know it's tied to their willingness to be warriors, yeah, and to I guess serve the earth in this way. It's, it, it was Charlie's well, I don't know about these... that because because I, I I don't know if it has to do with the fact of you wanting to serve the earth or have good intentions well, no, or anything I don't like mean that. Serving I think, the earth, but I mean like the earth's kind of like kind of like unlimited blade works where the earth had a, a, a sentience and a will and it chose it chose these people to be their their its champions like the, the well that's what I'm saying though I don't know about that because you could still be a warrior and stuff like that and be like like legit fuck people are also hey i'm about to use this to be like how they're using it to be mercenaries for good like i'm about that cashola baby trying to like just make money and fuck bitches you know well they was getting money now i mean let's not let's not let's not i know but just for the sake of it like Uh not just like oh i want to help people and do good like like hey like i'm selfish or normal <laughs> to a certain extent right. and i'm gonna use this to like a hundred percent just my advantage okay i'm like if it helps people whatever but okay like i have no attachment to humanity right so. i mean there's a lot that an inevitable sequel could cover let's get through the rest of the summary of the, of the movie where were we we were, we were at, at second andy is not healing right uh and so she goes out and gets some stuff to help herself heal and somebody helps her and she's some like, like oh. medical supplies and whatnot yeah, yeah, yeah she's like but it's like really like a 24 7 like like uh, like, like yeah something. like a cvs or something like that like a drugstore um drugstore slash like corner store whatever so and then like a person helps her she's like oh i'm sure if it was me you'd help me and it's one of those things where you're like oh a little glimpse of like humanity and like oh you know don't give up on people and it's like eh, whatever like she's doing basic shit but right. <laughs> to me that's what i thought i was like i i mean i get the point of this but it doesn't yeah, really move it, me it was written to to be a vehicle for andy's i guess realization or 
getting her hope back in humanity. Yeah, but I mean, it was also realistic in the fact that, like, once you see her in the rest of the movie up to a certain point, it didn't really mean much to her. Like, okay, bitch, you gave me some bandages and helped me put them on. But so, um, Niall wants to leave. She finds out Andy has her phone. She wants her phone back. She wants to talk to her people. They let her go. And then they. Andy and Booker find basically where uh, Chiswell Edgefor's character is, and like we're about to go get him. We're getting back um, Nikki and Joe. Yeah, their 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 goal at that point in time was to save Nikki and Joe. Which, by the way, when him. they got taken, so fucking funny. Like yeah. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, is that your boyfriend?" They were in like an armored truck with these, you know, with the guys that got them. Uh, they they woke up after being killed, and. You know, Joe goes into a monologue of how Nikki's not just his boyfriend, basically his soulmate, the kindest person he ever met, and, you know, mm-hmm. walking eternity mm-hmm. with him, and they kiss and stuff like that. And, like, all the dudes and things look so uncomfortable. And then finally, they, like, all grab all of them, like, all of them grab onto them and pull them apart. And basically, you're reminded of uh, me of just like, they were like, no stop it stop it <laughs> gross hey hey stop it basically but uh so then they get to their destination and you know the guys open up the back of the truck and they done killed all those dudes so it's like yeah you know serves you right yeah and it's so funny because they're so nonchalant about it and they're like getting on a plane and joe's like oh look nikki they got a uh they got a tv <laughs> like right. just like like yeah we about to go on a ride that 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 portion really endears you to them as I mean, I guess yeah, they're definitely a couple, but just like in their characters, uh, characterizations as well mm-hmm. and how they have so much chemistry. Yeah. But you also see like in this, it makes sense and it doesn't make sense because to me, I'm like, OK, clearly they're like, fine, we got caught. Let's go see what's going on. So like maybe we could, you know, nip this from the root, like pull it up from the root. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I'm like, y'all literally just saw what we did in this car you about to have us in a plane in the sky? Like, are you stupid or are you dumb? Yeah, like, this like... box on the road, this metal box on the road, we done killed everybody and allowed the driver to continue on to here to get here. Yeah. So now you go put us in a metal box in the sky where even if you shoot at us and we come back, we could do this song and dance all fucking day, kill everybody in here, kill the pilot, this bitch going down. Guess who's not going to not come back? us two like i was just like that's so dumb why would y'all choose of all things a plane a big old bucks thousands of feet in the air to transport these motherfuckers that you know are adept at killing people because literally we just saw it and also don't stay dead yeah it's it's, it it was definitely a small feeling in my mind is like okay they're just kind of go along going along with this just kidnapping like. i would have been talking cash shit the whole time in the air i'd have been like mm, remember what we did in that car mm, you know this little private jet is about the size of that car hmm yeah hmm. i wonder why we haven't brought this bitch down oh must yeah. be nice it's such a nice little trip so so glad we get to experience this i mean you know midway if we change our mind i guess we could just stop you know it was um like we're allowing you to take us right essentially that's that's the feeling that i got as well so i mean but you know on the other side we know that andy is like hell-bent on rescuing them so her booker now they find out where um edgy of forest and this is is where we're going back now has already left right so so andy's like 
Well, now it comes to Andy, and she's basically like, yo, this isn't the life that I want. Like, I don't, I, I want to go and see my family. I want to do X, Y, and Z. Booker hands Andy a, a, a pistol because they're about to go into Edge of Four's place and, and go try to take him. Um, but rewind real quick because when they found Joe and Nikki, they took him to Edge of Four's place. And um, the deal that he had with this pharmaceutical company was to find all four of them, the immortal people, and and deliver them to this pharmaceutical company. Because, of course, there's this, like, crazy scientist boy that, like, you know, has has this multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical company. And he wants to find these immortals so that he can engineer, quote unquote, core, quote unquote. Uh, basically like yeah and yeah and extending people's lives and yeah yeah and stuff like that um so they bring them to i think it was called like merc or something like or mer mer something merc industries or yeah something like that. and he seems like you know when they first introduce you to him he's like doing this conference and he seems like you know a good old uh scientist well not even that just i'm trying to the... describe him as far as like the type of british person he is like a, a good old cockney young boy he's got yeah. fucked up teeth you know but he doesn't have one of those like posh british accents so that's what i'm saying like a cockney accent yeah. um so like that endears him to yeah, his like audience and they're like oh kind of. yeah you you know you own a multi-billion dollar uh pharmaceutical company which we know pharmaceuticals is just full of assholes but uh but you're for the people you're not like those other pharmaceutical right. uh tyrants <laughs> you're a good you're a good pharmaceutical tyrant and then you find out no he's still a bitch but that's how they set it up and then you find out that he is a bitch because um they bring nikki and joe to him and his you know fucking iron or steel tower in the sky and shit right and at first he's trying to say oh you guys are gonna help us and we're gonna use you to help blah 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 and um i think joe yeah joe headbutts him and he's all mad and shit like that like oh god i got hit in the face so he takes a letter opener and stabs him up and everyone's like oh my god uh and then he sees him heal and basically you know that's the beginning of seeing his true face and he's basically like we're gonna lock you up forever and take chunks out of you and learn from you because yeah because he's like yeah we have a new drug that say you know hundreds of thousands of people from cancer but it killed like a million mice but we don't have to worry about y'all and he's like i didn't ask the permission of the mice i'm definitely not gonna ask y'all for permission it's like cool being equated to a mouse but whatever right so um andy and oh and and chittawell is there the whole time and he's like oh that's fucked up like that's not what we, we agreed upon and they're like just find the others like whatever like you you're in this so andy and booker find him they have him you know hemmed up in his little house in his room and shit and uh, you could see that he's been tracking them he's got this whole like crazy conspiracy theorist board up like with all these pictures and stuff like that and red you know red yarn lines like linking everything and they're like oh this nigga been known about us um and so andy is about to do something and then she gets shot from behind booker shoots her um now prior to this we see that nile has like you know left them she's opening up her trunk to get some stuff and she's like she's like oh i might need these guns and she takes you know to check everything for the guns and she's like the clip is empty yeah and so she you know runs through her head like oh fuck like she comes to the realization before we get to the 
the the thematic realization booker is the one who betrayed them and you i mean you have little glimpses of of it through the whole thing where he's like you know when they first get betrayed oh usually i know i don't get fooled i know people i vetted him blah blah blah, because he's the one who does all like the research and shit and it's like he's the one basically who told them where their hideout is what's going to pull on andy's heartstrings to get her you know out to do stuff mm-hmm. blah 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 so he shoots her they're talking and stuff the rest of the guys come in to to get her and he's like wait she's still bleeding she's not healing and so she's looking at him and he's like why didn't you tell me and she's like it wouldn't have mattered and so he feels bad now because he shot her and she's gonna fucking die Mm -hmm. because he didn't know that she wasn't healing anymore so he feels bad oh i'm sorry he's like but yeah even though i guess basically for him it wasn't so much them him wanting these people to get um the cure but kind of because in his little aside when they were in andy's second hideout to Niall he was talking about how you know his last son to die was his youngest he died in his 40 from cancer and you know he felt so bad about how his son felt that he didn't love him and stuff like that and all alone and watching his family die um so basically he was like it's not that it's like if they can find a way to cure people they can also find a way for us to die uh, which gives you the impression he's probably been trying to like really like truly die for a long time but just couldn't so they get taken um and they beat up Chittawa Ejiofor's character because he's like wait she's not healing this is fucked up this is wrong this is not what we agreed upon blah 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 um and they basically bitch smacked him yeah was like so Andy up. uh or not Andy after all of this um kiki no. finds that nile yeah her real name kiki, but nile finds him she talks to him about it she sees the whole wall she's like yo andy's been behind the scene doing all this good stuff um we have the scene where chitawa edgefor is like you know i had to watch my wife waste away uh, you know at the end she couldn't talk she couldn't breathe you know i wanted to help people this was my gift to humanity um and she was like it wasn't your gift to give yeah so very very pointed statement there yeah so they go she's like you're gonna take me to them i'm gonna save them um but wait but wait on on um the character's name is copley um but on uh chitterwell's board he's been tracking andy throughout millennia basically or uh, i said i think he said it was like the past 150 200 years and he's like yeah so every time she saves somebody a generation or two later yeah, like those people's those people, or like their, ancestors their, or yeah, offspring help America or not America, <laughs> boo the world. Right. So I mean, he's basically painting a picture that you know that Andy's influence is much larger than she realizes mm-hmm. because she saves a guy in 1912, and his great grandson ends up saving a, a bunch of people in World War you know two or something like that not great grandson but maybe a son or she i was gonna say because we're, ta- we're talking about the world wars right. those were like in 1920 she saves somebody in the 1800s <laughs> and their their great great grandchild ends up saving History. like hundreds of people later <laughs> so he's basically building a case that andy has saved indirectly more people than you know conceivable 
Well, yeah, basically it's just showing like the ripple effect of right. Um, and not even a, not even that it took that long, but not just Andy, but the other like Nikki, Joe, Booker, that they were saving people, and even the people that they saved, like those specific people, like saving a little girl, and she goes on to win a Nobel Peace Prize for you know medicine or something right, like that, right. like these innovations, and it's like you know without you, these people would have died, and like the world would have been worse off, right? You know, so um, but now gets to see all of that and she's like it kind of solidifies things for her as well because she's like i don't see my place in this just to be going around killing people and stuff like that like i the, I, I don't want that to be my life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they go and they go to uh whatever the name of the merrick place is. merrick yeah um and i forget the guy's name but chittawell edgeforce character he's like i'm gonna go in with you and she's like Nah, I mean, there's only gonna be one of us that's gonna be able to walk out of here. Like, right. so she sends his happy ass on a, on his way. Yeah, she's like, basically, you're gonna help me from the outside, and we're gonna need you. So, just give me your shit so I can get in. Um, which also at that point, I was like, they didn't already had a falling out. I'm like, whoever is in charge of like the PKE PKI, like giving people key access and like their yeah. passwords and stuff like that to the she system. Right and stuff, I'm like. I mean, it don't matter at the end, but I'm like, somebody getting fired. Why does nigga still got access? Yeah. We didn't already told him we done with your ass. Fuck you. And, I, and he can still use his key card. Like yep. somebody's fired. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, HR needs to see you. Like Coming I was like, office. but you know, <laughs> like, I mean, these little like plot holes, plot armor type shit. Like I mean, it makes sense only if you're not suspending your disbelief. But I'm like that key access should have immediately like somebody's being lazy on the job mm-hmm. and was like oh i'll do it when i come back in on monday <laughs> right and they come back in and they like oh there is no more job Shit. so keep in mind that now is a trained marine so yeah she goes into this building i mean she you know has keys to everywhere but she starts basically infiltrating Killing places, uh, killing people, whatever. She finds the the four immortals. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh shit, it's Nile." And so Andy's just laying on a gurney, basically. Like, well, not a gurney, but ba- almost like one because uh, the one scientist who's a bitch, she um, is jabbing them and killing them and stuff like that, so she can get you know the specimens that she need. Which, of course, for regular people or animals, like it would kill them to get those specimens. But they're like, "Fuck it, who cares?" Because you'll just you know come back. Um, and so uh they find out oh they've been the other two have been find out that um booker is a bitch and they're like just leave his ass and then he's like no and uh but at first before she gets up she's like just leave me here i'm just gonna die here and niles like i've seen the good that you've done get the fuck up we're getting out of here like mm-hmm. and you're coming mm-hmm. with us and mm-hmm. her um sand act kind of gives andy like oh what She's like, yeah, you've done a lot of good shit. So they go through this whole basically fight scene to get to um, the little boy or whatever. That's, you know, an asshole. Yeah, um, the, um, the, CEO the CEO of Merrick. Yeah, this is like the third act. And it's like so cool. Like, you know, gunfights, blowing shit up, killing people and stuff. Dying, um, coming back. Yeah, Nikki gets bullets. shot in the head. And Joe's like, oh, that's fucked up. I mean, but he comes back, so. Yeah. Um, and he gets his revenge on that dude. He basically suplexes him. It's, and breaks his fucking neck yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he plays with him a little bit. He plays with this dinner, and then he and then he gets, yeah. he gets to it. But um, at this point, 
the dude the ceo of merrick he also has andy's double-sided axe uh or her war axe and i guess he like for some reason really likes it i don't know they didn't say anything about that he just gets it and he's like really intrigued by it yeah he kind of finds it because uh because now brought brought it it. with her for it because that's her weapon i guess her weapon of choice but it's like what the fuck they made it seem like he was looking for it and he was in awe of it but then didn't go any further into it so it's like this is random like why did he pick that up but whatever it was in a case he picked up the case and i think he went up to his little penthouse area and he opened the case and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and but it was just like... When the siege started, I think that was just the closest weapon that he could find. That was pretty dumb. He could have got a weapon, like a, a firearm from one of his guards. Yeah. But I was like, okay, whatever. Like, they want him to have it because she needs it at the end, which she ends up using. But everybody's dead. He comes out of nowhere with it. Doesn't have... Oh, he does... He does also have a gun, which is, so why are you holding that? But you have a gun. Whatever. Uh, he ends up shooting Niall. Right. And then they are standing in the, t- uh, standing in the pet house in front of like one of the broken windows. And essentially it looks like he's going to like try and shoot her and push her out the window. Um, and though what alerts them besides the gunshot to him being there is he calls her a, a, a selfish little bitch. Um, and then here comes the the call back. Uh, Andy says to now, I bet you he doesn't speak Russian. And so they do this little maneuver. He shoots at her. Um, now jumps in front of it. And then she gets up, uh, I guess, and hits him or whatever. And Andy's able to get her double-sided axe mm-hmm. and chops him in the neck. Uh, and then... I guess he's still kind of alive and tries to shoot Andy. So now jumps in front of him. Uh, takes a shot and then grabs him and jumps out of the uh, jumps the out of the out of the building. Mm-hmm. They fall into um, a car and he's he's dead, screaming on the way down. And then they show them in the car. Niles all fucked up, and then all the rest of them come down and um, they're like, "Oh, I guess it's faster than the elevator." Um, and then they get out. She's got the axe, and then we go to however many months or whatever later. And they are deciding on what to do with Booker because he's a traitor. Yeah. So they they decide basically you're not allowed to be with us. You got to be by yourself. And in a hundred years, we'll come back here and then we'll go from there. And him and Andy have this little, you know, nice little chat or whatever. And he's like, "This is gonna be my last time seeing you because she's." I mean, I want to say she's dying, but like, basically, she's. Dying. See, I mean, to them, she's dying. Well, she's gonna live a life, but to them, she's dying because well, she's what, gonna get older and die. Well, that's what I'm confused about. I mean, of course, she doesn't heal anymore. But does that mean now she ages too? I think that's what they mean because if she's not healing as fast, they're thinking like, now you're a regular person. You're okay, gonna age. So she'll just live yeah. out her years and in a hundred years she'll mm-hmm. die off. You. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why he's like, I won't, I won't see you again. So she's like, have some hope, book. Right, right. Which means, I think, to say, like, maybe she's saying, well, maybe it won't be that way. Maybe it just means I'll live and live and live unless I get killed. Right. You know, I can't just not get killed and come back. Uh, but it was funny because they were talking about it. And he was like, well, it's um, less than I thought, but more than what I hoped for. And she was like, huh, yeah, now nah, I was going to let you off with an apology. And they laughed. And they're like, yeah, it's definitely... He did more than they, what they an have apology a is used for. I, I think that's something that was well represented throughout the film and, and their relationship. I mean, 
I could understand it because like in a normal thought process, it'd be like, yo, fuck you for life. But honestly, if I had a hundred years to get over something, I'd probably get over it. Yeah. Like, huh, that's in the past. But <laughs> you know, given if you're thinking I've already lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, like, I was like, that, that seems fair. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, ultimately, he did it because he wanted to have these these things that they could heal people and stuff like that. But also, um, he knew that Andy was getting tired basically and, and and losing faith but honestly i don't think it had i mean that probably was something that had to do with it minorly i think it was just selfishness okay. he didn't want to hurt anymore he didn't want to have to live with the pain of you know his sons looking at him like you're never aging we're getting older you're never aging we're dying help us why can't you help us why are you letting this happen you're our father why can't we do this like what did you do like you're so selfish and it was just like fucking with him and it's like he can't ever escape it he can't die he can't be at peace um so they what they cut to a couple months later and he's living somewhere getting himself drunk and stuff like that and then he goes into his house and he's like what the fuck someone's in there uh and she's like nice to meet you booker drinking a glass of water and it is i forget what her name is but it's andy's friend queen kins some something like that she's yeah i call her queen but yeah it's 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 andy's friend that was uh, essentially drowned over and over again and that Mm -hmm. she got um, out you know they had been assumed up to this point that she died at some point but they never found her and that was a large point of grief for Andy and, and, and mm-hmm. everything she was going Especially because she said that they would be together forever, right. no matter what. She said, she, broke, uh, she said, I broke my promise to Queen because I stopped looking for her. But they had been looking for presumably hundreds of years. Well, probably thousands. Because it looked like from when they were together, it was like prior to like, you know, when we started the BC era. So like... Or before uh, b- b- the AC after the AC era, I I, I don't know. I, the way I looked at it was that they they caught them in like the witch trial era. Oh well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But well, no, they caught them in the witch trial. Era, but I'm talking about when they were together. It looked like they oh, were yeah, together. Like older before yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. probably had been together thousands of years. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. We'll listen back to this and be like, oh, yeah, no, that was what I was like. So, no. But it was a witch trial. So, it probably was like hundreds of years that she was yeah. looking and then stopped looking. And at so. some point, yeah, Andy stopped looking for her and she felt guilty because, you know, they couldn't find her. But she stopped looking. But so, long story short, Queen is there. She's talking to Booker or she's there to speak to Booker. And that's the end of the film. Yeah. So that is alluding to the fact that we're probably going to get a sequel, which yeah. I think we should. Yeah. I mean, if they're talking about they were going to do a sequel for um, for that Will Smith movie. Um, oh, right. Bright, yeah. They definitely should do a sequel for this one. Although, well, Bright's going to get a sequel because it got all that hype and stuff like that because people were talking about how bad it was and everybody was rush- rushing to watch it. So they were like, oh, shit, like this shit blew up. Yeah, like, it got good numbers. So, yeah, well, it got amazing numbers, especially with people writing all these essays about how bad it was and like, oh, you shouldn't watch it. And it was like, fuck you, critics, we're going to watch it. Exactly. It was like it was like a cult sensation the to see how bad was it was. High, but the critic score was like 
Yeah, I mean, well, the mm-hmm. audience score wasn't high as far as how good it was. Like I said, I feel like it was a cult thing because people went to go see it to see how bad it was and talk about how bad it well, was. And to be fair to Bright, I thought that they established a great world. I just think the characters are trash. Well, I think maybe the dialogue was bad. I don't think the characters were trash. Like, well, that's what I mean too. That's probably yeah. For me, that's part but, of the characters. Like the shit that they say. Like, well, I didn't even think it was really trash. I thought it was. I liked it. I mean, to be honest, like some of the stuff was cringy and like, oh, whatever. But there's plenty of movies that have like cringy dialogue that are still good. I thought it was good. Well, that's what I, I was would saying be... in our Discord. Well, not our Discord, but the Discord that I manage. Like, I I do want Bright to get a sequel. Yeah. I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people thought it was. Mm-hmm. But I can see why people would would be upset or not. Like, I mean, we were entertained. Like, we yeah, we I liked that it a lot. I was entertained. <laughs> um so i would watch the sequel definitely mm-hmm. um and that was the thing when i watched it i was like i don't get like the hysterical disdain for it like people were like this is the shittiest movie of all time and i'm like no 5000 bc is the shittiest movie of all time which by the way which cr- is crazy to me movie, my yeah. mother loved that movie and i was like mommy this <sighs> movie is the worst <laughs> the worst yes yes so um the old guard um yeah you and i both liked it i liked it a lot like the action scenes action it was like the nuances great. of them like it wasn't a whole bunch of like oh you watch stuff blow up in slow motion and you know i was gonna say not mixture of art martial arts style but that's a lie it was a lot of mixtures of martial arts styles but mm-hmm. i think it was more so believable then you like got some they like really hype it up and they use like like in a lot of martial arts movies exactly exactly which of course there's a place for that and i love it and stuff like that but this was more like attainable in the fact where you're like okay if i were to train and whatever i could be that good and like look that awesome or whatever so and it just shows you like okay she's got like thousands of years to get great at this stuff like it's basically like peak physical performance like An no yeah, yeah yeah like no wasted movement and stuff like that and just a melding of all like the cool or not the cool but like the deadly martial arts styles to get shit done the choreographer was fantastic in being able to convey that i think that mm-hmm. these are not superhuman people they're not like they're, as far as strength yeah they're, they're they're not like you know but they have hundreds and thousands of years of experience they they probably mastered multiple styles of, of martial arts mm-hmm. they have experience with you know projectile weapons edge weapons well what i like, would say too is these things yeah what i would say too is i think you can tell if you're thinking about it and maybe not maybe you know if you go look at the um the graphic novels or the comics or whatever you you know they'll say that this isn't so but like even with the mastery of the certain types of martial arts like it it also gives you a certain level of so they can heal really fast like if they die they'll come back and shit like that but like let's say a move that someone wouldn't be able to do because it would rip up their rotator or something like that or rip up the um the tissue in the center that's holding yeah yeah. the tendons and holding like let's say your shoulder together they can do that to get a farther range or farther reach or farther like um torque if you will power um because it'll form back together so i can dislocate my shoulder and rip up all of the the sinew and ligaments in there to reach farther with whatever weapon that i'm holding because it'll knit itself back together that type of stuff like using your innate physical ability to heal 
to rip yourself up to do something that another person couldn't, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that's definitely something to consider. I mean, it, I thought that was cool. It was very well choreographed. I think Charlize Theron, she brings a lot of good things physically to a lot of the roles that call it. This is very reminiscent from a physical performance of Charlize Theron, like Atomic Blonde. Um, I think I think Atomic Blonde, she probably went a bit harder overall. I think they had more fight scenes. But this was very much like I was like, yeah, this that training is coming back. I mean, she of course, she did training for this role, too. But mm-hmm. um, she's definitely a bona fide, like, badass female um, action actor. Yeah, definitely coming into her own in that sort of way, which I enjoy. So. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Kiki did a great job, too. I love her. She was, like, very... You know, not on the same level as, I guess, the martial arts, but, like, a trained, for lack of a better word, well, no, I would say a trained fighter, a trained Marine, Yeah, she could you know? definitely hold her own. Yeah, um, I didn't want to call her a killer, because yeah. I don't want to say that, because there's plenty of soldiers for the Army Marines right. and stuff like that, that they're trained to do that, which is basically what they're emulating um, through here, so, And you could tell know. the difference in her fighting style as well. Yeah, basically combat training yeah. for, for the military, so. And, and when she fought Andy in the beginning, Andy's like, you're pretty good. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think that that was a good um, representation or indication of how how martially dangerous she was as mm-hmm. far as, you know. And then also give you an indication of, I mean, she wasn't taking advantage of it but like using your body to protect yourself and like because she it broke her Mm -hmm. arm and her leg Mm -hmm. um but then they knitted themselves back together so it's like oh look what she could do if she harnessed that and was like able to you know use it to her advantage out of 60 points out of 60 points you always do that it's weird weird. i just you know i just Um, like being different i mean i would give it like a 45 50 4550. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. I think that this was one of the better um films produced by Netflix. I think we've gotten some pretty good ones this summer. I didn't care for Six Underground whatsoever, but um Olgar and Extraction I think are both right up there with some um impressive summer summer flicks um produced by Netflix. I would definitely go 45 uh as well. Yeah. Um So yeah, that was uh that was Old Guard. So the next part of the show, we're talking about. Um, so I guess there's a Reddit form that also has uh, that's found its way to Twitter, so people can also interact. Yeah. Uh, called AMTA. Am I the asshole? Yeah. So the Later. acronym AMTA. Um. Oh is, no. A I T A. M I A I T A. Yeah. Am I? Mm. Yeah, am I the asshole? I promise y'all we can spell. I promise you. <laughs> so, um, and Marshall brought this up. So we, you know, we had finished watching um, uh, The Old Guard. And then also right now I am, I feel bad because I started, because I didn't think that he would be interested, but uh, started watching Warrior Nuns, which, mm. I mean, so far it's okay. But, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's going to get better once we get more into the action and stuff like that. But the main character is kind of one of those characters where kind of like one of those sarcastic manic pixie characters that I'm not really, really into, but whatever. Um, so we were watching that. And then while we were watching it, he was on Twitter and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, he posed this scenario to me. This woman had wrote into that, that Reddit forum. Am I the asshole? And take it away, sir. 
Okay, so I'm going to read the actual post in totality. And it is AITA. Um, Am I the asshole for unplugging his console? All right, so this is what this is what the person wrote in. And it's going to take me a little bit to read it, so bear with me. All right. So I made this account just to ask this. My boyfriend and I are both in our late 20s and have been together for two years. We've lived together for nine months and everything had been going great until recently. My boyfriend works in a highly competitive field and is due for a very big promotion. With the current situation, that promotion was made conditional on certain projects getting done, which has resulted in a lot of added pressure on my boyfriend. When he worked from home, he was stressed with work, but I was always able to relax him and we had some lovely times together. We'd cook lunch together, go for walks, etc. Three weeks ago, his CEO asked him to come back into the office for the quote-unquote hot phase, and ever since then, things have gone rapidly downhill. He doesn't work crazy hours uh, because his job doesn't allow too much overtime, but he's often incredibly stressed out when he comes home and spends hours decompressing, usually playing PS4. Now, I've always worked from home, and I've been trying to be as accommodating as possible. I always ask him what he needs when he comes home, cook, try to talk to him, etc. We split housework evenly, which he insists on. Our time together has decreased to the point where it's pretty much non-existent. I've tried to talk to him about this, and he made a serious effort for a few days, having us sit and talk about our days, but I could tell it only stressed him out more. He told me he just needed some time to himself and that I wasn't helping by being on him all the time. I thought that was incredibly unfair. I've tried to talk to him about this again on Monday, and all he said was, Sweetie, I understand this frustrates you, but it's not forever, and I need my brain to shut off for a while or I'm seriously going to combust. His current project should be done by the end of the month. I know that, but I'm so frustrated with how little time we spend together. I miss him so much, even though we are in the same four walls. We haven't even had sex in weeks because anytime he doesn't play his games, he's too tired to do anything. So yesterday when I came home, when he came home, I could tell it would be more of the same. After having dinner and talking a while, he excused himself to the living room. I was fuming at that point because I felt like he was doing the bare minimum in our relationship. I went into the living room and unplugged his console right in front of him. He got really silent and kind of sad, question mark, looked at me, asked what I was doing. And when I told him that I was sick of him only ever playing his PS4 and ignoring me and that I needed us to go back to how things had been, he got up, told me I had no respect for him or his situation and to grab my shit and get out. I was so freaked out at that point that I didn't know what to do. I grabbed some clothes, essentials and left to my best friends. My boyfriend hasn't picked up the phone all day. He only texted me once to tell me to stop calling because he was at work. Am I the asshole? So he posed this question to me based off his post. And I was like, yeah, period. Like, my thing is, you know, to I don't really feel like I need to play the devil's advocate because usually that implies like you're seeing somebody's point of view when you don't like it wouldn't necessarily be your point of view or maybe it's counter to it. But you are trying to, you know, put yourself in that position. 
Um, so like in general, like me and Marshall have had arguments all the time about him, like staying up all night playing video games or like always playing video games, like to the point where we don't ever talk or anything like that. Like as soon as I get home or whatever, or he gets home, like he's just playing video games all night and like having issues where like he's up until like five o'clock in the morning. I'm getting up to go to work and he's just coming to bed to sleep for a couple hours before he goes to work and me being like irritated by that, like all types of shit. And we've had numerous conversations and arguments about it. But like, there's the thing we've had conversations and arguments about it and like made adjustments, made compromises. Like my thing is, I'm not trying to stop you from playing video games or anything like that. But like, it's an understandable thing to me. Anyways, it's an understandable thing to be upset. Like if you are not getting the time that you want with the person that you want to be with, like, you know, you're only upset because you want to spend time with the person that you love. The issue with that is or with her it's like okay bitch y'all been together for two years you know for some people I guess that's a long time whatever but you've been together for two years you've been dating for or you've been living together for nine months and this just happened I think she said a couple of weeks being like maybe three weeks or something like that yeah this has been going on during a stressful time when he's trying to get a promotion and stuff like that this contingent upon him like working his ass off and it's like bitch you so easily folded and then on top of that she said oh well he made an effort for a couple of days but then it kind of went back and then on top of that the day that was like the the straw that broke the camel's back y'all cooked dinner together y'all had the meal together i'm not thinking he just scarfed down the food like y'all had a meal sat down together he talked to you for a little while after that and then went to go play video games and that was the straw that broke the camel's back it wasn't no oh he just made himself something to eat put it next to him on the couch on a tray table and was playing video games or eating like that y'all had a whole time together and that's the shit that broke your back where you unplugged the video game in front of him in his face and looked at him and seeing how upset he was about it and I was just like what the fuck he'd been doing that for a couple of weeks he made some changes for a couple of days it's like a third of the time that you're talking about yep. he was making changes and then he's still doing other stuff with you it's like it made it seem like one of those things where it's like you just want to monopolize monopolize someone's entire time they can't have no time away from you or time to decompress or anything like that like and like i said like I've had my issues with that and you know they always have the the memes and stuff like that like I spend a whole day with my girl and then when I go to leave she all upset like I didn't just spend the whole day with you like you know I've had times like that that I've been needy and shit like that but like you know there's certain things I feel like everybody knows in a relationship where it's like there's a line that you don't cross you know you may say certain shit y'all may have you know not literal but figures have knocked down kick around throw down fights and shit Mm -hmm. like that again not literal Mm -hmm. we're not talking Mm -hmm. about actually throwing hands um but you always know that there is a certain set of things or a certain like genre of things or uh, being alluded to a certain type of things that you cannot say to another person because you know that it would forever damage your relationship the way they look at you the way they feel about you that you know that this is something that would really hurt them and you weaponize it against them and as and she just she just did that with no hesitation and the words that she used seemed pretty deliberate to me where it's like yeah I unplugged it right in front of his face and then talking about she looked at him and was like uh he seems sad question mark and it's like yo 
you literally did show you have like no respect for this man and he's trying to find an outlet to decompress so that he doesn't stress you out and so that he can not be stressed for when he goes back to work to try and do these things so that he can like I mean we could even say like so he could better his life better your life or stuff like that or provide you but fuck it whatever even if it's selfish so that he can provide better provide for himself and fucking put himself on a better platform as far as his career and stuff like that maybe he just fucking loves his career and he wants to get as high as he can whatever doesn't matter but he's doing all this for a purpose and you couldn't even hold out for it seems like not even a fucking month you couldn't even hold out for a month and you fucking fold it and my thing is you know everybody goes through things and people have things where it's like you know people hope that you would have their back and stuff like that. And sometimes you fall short and shit like that. You know, I've done it where it's like, you know, somebody needed something or Marshall needed something from me and I fell short of that or whatever. And it, you know, it hurt him and stuff, but it's like, we've also had years of a relationship and going through things and working through things and, you know, talking to each other, arguing with each other and stuff like that for you to have these type of problems in two years of dating nine months of living together and you're acting childish like that I mean I think that was a pretty blaring uh red flag for him and I and I don't see anything wrong with him telling her to get her shit and get out of there because what the fuck for for real for real like you know what this is and you really gonna fold like that and not even just fold like that or crying and shit like that or you know rage out or something like that you are going to unplug the game in front of his face like that and I know a lot of people are like oh it's just a game and all this other kind of shit but it's more than that and it's like to me the question comes what were you what was the reason and for you to and, and it's not enough for you to say oh I don't know I just feel like no there was a reason why you did it. You thought that there was going to be some sort of outcome that was going to be beneficial to you to happen. So what was that? Like, because to me, his reaction where you may say, oh, it was too much because he kicked her out. But his reaction of being upset, sad, stuff like that, that seems like a normal reaction when you're doing something that you like to do and that's helping you decompress to be like, what the fuck? So did you think you were going to turn that off in his face and look at him and he's going to be like, oh, that was so sexy. Yeah, you asserted yourself and y'all was just going to have sex or something like that. It was going to be like some sort of like Zane novel or some sort of like E.L. James novel. Or something. Like what was what was the reason? And for her to not have really a reason or not say anything, I assume, because she didn't go into that, is like, you know how asinine and insane that is that you can't even think of uh, even a bullshit reason to say and you would just say, I don't know. Because it's like, what what did you think was going to come out of that? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, obviously I'm on a, a similar wavelength. Uh, reading this and seeing what she did was real triggering for me. Like from a, not only from an experience standpoint, cause like Courtney said, like we've had conversations, we had arguments, we've had situations where I've been playing the game too much and within our relationship. And obviously, you know, um, they're, they're, that's conversation worthy. That's argument worthy. Like there have been times where, we've had to compromise and I've had to say like, all right, I'm going to do two hours a night or something like that. Or a new game comes out and it's just, 
it's just taking over my whole spirit and soul and I just can't stop. And, and then she's just like, yo, you have to go to work in the morning. And those are things that I don't always think about. So, but it's also triggering for me because sometimes, um, and I can only speak for myself, but sometimes the game is more than entertainment. Sometimes it is a coping mechanism. Sometimes it is a decompressing stimulant that allows me. And like I said, I can only speak for myself. Sometimes this world is so fucked up. And sometimes the shit that I go through in this world is so fucked up for me mentally that the best thing that I can do to cope, the best thing that I can come up with to cope is to go into other worlds, to go into different worlds that are not Earth where I'm hated and, you know, oppressed and all these different things as a black man, as, as a black person in this country, a lot of times I don't want to be here when these things happen or when, you know, another one of us is killed in the street or another one of us is assassinated by those that are supposed to protect and serve us. And so when, when, when reading this and hearing that he was in a position for a promotion He's out here trying to get this fucking money. He's out here trying to level the fuck up. He's in a highly competitive workplace, which means his low end of stress is higher than most people's high end of stress. Just off the strength that he's in a highly competitive workplace, which means he's stressed out all the fucking time. But that doesn't in any way get in the way of his relationship. They've been together two years. The relationship has moved forward. They've been living together for nine months. And all that he can do to escape from this world that whatever it is he's going through, I don't know if he's black. I don't know if his situation is exactly like mine, but at at a certain point, a video game can turn from entertainment into medication. Like there are times when when you talk to people and I hear this term all the time, like they're self-medicating. Like they're smoking, they're drinking, they're doing X, Y, and Z, yada, 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 yada. And so much has been talked about in the past three to five years about video games as as a, a video game addiction being an actual um, addiction that is recognized in journals and things like that. But there also has to be a point where we start to look at video games as a medicating source or a stimulant that can actually bring someone down. Um, and, and for me, reading this was just about her complete disrespect and disregard of the medium as something that can help somebody that she claims to love. It's very selfish on her part where it seems like she just feels like, oh, if he's not reliant on me to help re- reduce his stress or deal with his stress, then I can't take as a woman something being able to help him decompress in ways that I cannot. It's like an ego thing. And she put her ego in front of how much she cared about him. And so for me, that's a that's a huge red flag because it's like, okay, we've been living together nine months together in this relationship for two years. I've given you everything I share. I share. uh, I insist on sharing uh, household duties. We cook together. We 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 go out. We take walks. We have a great relationship. And it seems like this one time when I'm going through something that is a higher threshold of stress than I'm used to. So I'm trying to find a way to cope and I'm trying to find a way to decompress so that I can still function as a human being and be productive and chase this fucking money that I'm trying to get. And here your ass comes with this bullshit. Like you don't respect me. You don't respect 
You don't respect my decompressing. You don't respect my mental state. You don't respect what I need as a person, physically, emotionally. Um, and, and, and for me, that's that's that that's a breaking point. Now, to be fair, there's never a situation where you should be in a relationship and you know basically one person is crying out to you and then there's just nothing, no no compromise. So with that said, in the actual entry, she she said like, hey, I've talked to him about this. He's he's made an effort. You know, he's talked to me. He's told me like, yo, this project ends at this time. I'm in an elevated state and you just couldn't hold it together. Like you just couldn't you just couldn't put somebody before yourself for any period of time. Like you had no patience. You had no no indication of the long game. You had no like. You know, all you had to do was chill. It's not always going to be sunshine and bubblegum. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about relationships and things that I've learned. Like, you're not going to like the person that you're with all the time. I think that that's an ideal that I had when I was younger, where I was just like, yo, you should be happy all the time. And, you know, everything that you should do should be about happiness and all this, that and the third. And that's the that's absolutely the long game. But there are ebb and flows in relationships where, you know, a person is going through something and you be there to support. Maybe you're not getting the fulfillment that you need for that period of time. And it's not like this thing was going on for six months or a year. This is two and a half weeks, right? Something like that. And like then it just seemed like three weeks for a couple of days of that. And then we talk about a couple of days. I'm like, so we talking like five days, seven days. So that's a third of that time. Half of that time, if we saying like two and a half, but... I mean, I agree with what you're saying. For me, I think, <laughs> so again, not kind of being the devil's advocate, maybe kind of not. Like, I feel like she should, she could have an attitude about it. She could be still upset about it, but still have the conversation. And it's still not long enough for you to be like, oh, he didn't change his behavior or whatever. And it's like, it sounds really like you had a monopoly of his time before. Yep. And now because you were so spoiled and you're not getting the monopoly. It's like everything has changed and I want it to go back to how it was. And it's like, it's not realistically going to be that way. And unfortunately you are starting to see what it's like when like the honeymoon phase is over and you start getting into real life. Like that shit, unfortunately is not sustainable. And it's like, you can't just, I just do whatever you want all the time, all the time, all the time. It's like, so do you want like a servant or do you want someone who's going to be your partner and who's going to be like your boyfriend? If that's the case also, then fine, bitch, you're right. But you need to break up with him. Yeah, You need to be with somebody. He needs to break up with you because clearly you're, you're not interested in what he wants to do at all. So he needs to break up with you, but you need to break up with him because I'm all for, you know, if it seems toxic to other people, but that's what you like, then that's fine. Find somebody who is quote unquote toxic and y'all be that together. That means y'all perfect for each other. When people say shit like that, like, oh, they deserve each other, stuff like that. It's like, I mean, you're saying that like it's supposed to be an insult but it's like if that's the case then that's good right if they deserve each other they deserve they're just alike right like that's a good thing for them and for everybody else too because if they're just so toxic why would you want them around other people they should just be together so everybody else doesn't have to deal with the shit but regardless of that my thing is just like clearly you want something from him that he can't give you and you're upset about it and you don't want to make any compromises. You just want everything to go back to the way it was, how you like it. Just, you know, everything serving you. Um, 
but again like i said i don't have a problem with her being upset about it you know yeah. talk your shit say something but to go as far as she went like i don't know i don't like that and i was telling marshall when we were talking about it um the other day i was like i mean i get it it's not on the same level and stuff like that but like when i used to read all the time which i need to get back into reading but i used to love to fucking read like when we were little and we would get our little bit of allowance or whatever or money when we went to the mall like my little sister would go to the little like limited or the, not the limited but like the limited two you know those little fucking kids stores and stuff like that or claire's I'd be straight up in Borders and and Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that because I just love to read. I've spent all my money on books. And like I would get irritated when people clearly see that you're reading and try to talk to you or like put their hand on your book and like knock it out your hands and stuff like that. And it's like you see I'm doing something that I enjoy to do. I'm escaping into this literary world and you're going to do it. Now with reading, I mean, I could just flip back to that page, but let's say you ain't fucking save your game or some shit like that. And you're in the middle of doing something or you're playing with other people, playing with other people, which Marshall does most of the time when he's playing video games. A lot of times it's not just him by himself. He's playing with other people, interacting with his friends and stuff like that. Now I will say there are times where they will get off and do the stuff that they need to do. And then he's just playing with it, playing by himself. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? It's like 2 a.m. But that's regardless we've had i'm saying that i'm saying that as a joke um we've already had our conversations about that so i'm saying it as a joke now like retrospectively it's a joke but like so you're playing with other people who are like you know we're doing something together we're hanging out and it's just like oh the the nigga just disappeared like what the fuck happened to so-and-so like just left us fucking hanging it's you know in the grand scheme of things it's like yo that's small like it's not like she killed you or murdered your friends or kicked your dog or something like that but as far as like the environment of that relationship it is a very clear indication of no consideration for what someone else is doing a lack of patience a lack of forethought or anything like that because it could be you know what what was your intention of doing that like you must have been thinking something but it could also be you had no thoughts you acted completely off of impulse you didn't actively try to think like hey let me think first before I do something like and that's kind of the signs of a sociopath honestly like just completely working off of straight impulse you're just giving in to your base desires to do whatever the fuck you want to do and it's like it's not hard no one's saying that you have to completely change who you are in order to not do something. But what it's saying is you can train yourself to think before you do something. My immediate reaction is I'm so mad. I want to scream or be angry or say something hurtful. And I used to like go, I used to snap. I used to be real angry with shit. When someone got me mad, like it takes a lot to get me mad. But when I get mad and snap, like it used to be just, I'm angry. I don't care where you are. I'm calling you. I'm cussing you out and then hanging up or I'm getting in your face or whatever, yelling at you, fucking have a little vein popping out in my forehead, face turn red, angry. This was earlier on in our relationship with me and Marshall when we got together, when I was still doing shit like that and he was like yo this is a fucking deal breaker for me and what did I do because I didn't want to have that be a deal breaker I worked on my anger so that when I got angry I stopped myself and of course everybody has slips ups and stuff like that but for the most part I stopped myself and I said think about this and tried to formulate a way to express my anger through maybe not so much calmness but actually talking and not immediately having a snap reaction 
that didn't mean I didn't have those feelings or want to do that. Mm -hmm. But the training for me was before you open your mouth or say anything, stop just think and that's it that don't mean i'm not still having the feelings that don't mean the shit that i want to say is not running through my head the training there is not even really fix the issue and that came later the training was before you react stop take a breath like literally just take a breath which will activate your brain to think okay we've gone through this i've had this issue before i've had this level of anger before i remember this and in remembering that anger, I also remember the conversation that we had about it being a deal breaker. Okay, so now my mind is working. What do I need to do to express myself? And it's like, it's not really that hard. That's the least you could do before anything is to just stop. And it's just like, you know, sometimes you do have to go through it to learn. That was a fucked up thing you did. Now you learned and you probably get to move on with someone else and hopefully you don't make the same mistake because that shit is just fucked up and to say oh we're in our late 20s so you're an adult you know that you can do better um and then Marsha was talking about it's funny because like I guess she updated oh yeah the post the update right here and came back so uh the update is okay it says edit weird how different people can judge this Reddit seems to be very clear on my being a dick, but my friends are saying I was in the right for demanding more attention. Either way, short update. We met up today to talk about things and I apologize for my behavior. He said he understood why I was acting that way, but that he would not tolerate it any longer and called me some pretty hurtful things like inconsiderate and clingy. Never thought I'd hear anyone say that to me, least of all him. I'm back home now while he is still at work and I think we'll have to do more talking tonight because we left off things pretty tense. I hope we can get to some sort of arrangement because I don't want to go back to how things were. Even if he said that this situation right now is in unavoidable and that I would just have to deal with it. He seemed happy with my apologies though. Thank God. And so thing. from there, my thing was like, she said it's weird how people can view things or go back to it. What she said, uh, how different people can judge this, how different people can judge this. So she talked about all of Reddit. And her five friends or some shit. Bitch, what kind of focus group is that? You are overwhelmingly an asshole. And to say, oh, my friends who I grow up with, we all think the same and do the same shit. And this is probably where I learned this shit from. Think that I'm right. Bitch, what? (laughs) Like, girl, what? Like, if you had said, oh, well, most of Twitter said it was fine. And most of Reddit said it wasn't fine. Then we can have a conversation about, oh, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Bitch, that ain't no mixed bag. Yeah, get better friends so it was just like whatever but then also she's talking about oh he you know he it looks like he's firm on his stance even though he took her back and was like we need to work on shit like that's unacceptable but to her it's like i gave this apology but basically i didn't really mean it and i still want shit to go back to how it was to begin with and it's like so really you have no intent of compromising because and I mean, from what she said, who knows if this is the truth, but from what she said, it seems like he doesn't seem like he has any intention of compromising. But again, if that's the case, then y'all need to figure something else out as far as do y'all need to be together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just that's just it. Because if you're but then see and then with that, that don't even make no sense, because in her in her former thing, it was saying he was making compromises. So he's already established that he's willing to make compromises. What compromises did you make? Because it seems did. like the compromise seems to you bend to my will, 
but I'm not going to do anything to bend to yours. And not only was he willing, but he enacted those compromises. Now, was he able to maintain that with his elevated stress level? Maybe not. But that's when the conversation needs to happen again. Like, babe, you kind of slipping up. Like, we talked about this, yada, yada, yada. You don't. You don't go in front of him and unplug his shit. Right. And and the thing is, it didn't even seem like it seemed like he went back to doing what she wanted and it was again unsustainable for him. And so he started to compromise where he was still cooking, cleaning, doing all you guys were still like an equal division of work in the house. Right. And then still cooking with you, having dinner with you, talking with you. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to go play video games because before just doing all that, that wasn't working for me. I was still stressed out, but I still want to hang out with her. And then that's that again, that was the thing that broke the the straw that broke the camel's back. It was like, yo, are you fucking kidding me? So for you, the compromise for him is to go back to doing everything the same and not having any sort of outlet. She said, I wanted things to go back the way they were. And it's just like, okay, but the project isn't finished yet. Like I'm still out here chasing this promotion like i can't go back to the way things were at home if things ain't back to the way things were at work for me right now and that's not that's not against you that's not me saying like i don't want to be here or or engage with you or or enjoy time with you but there are certain things that i can't get from you that i need right now yeah i mean honestly it's just an unsustainable like that sort of arrangement is unsustainable because even if, you know, you guys really enjoyed being all up underneath each other and stuff like that. I mean, people at a certain point, even if it's just a day or whatever, you need time to yourself or just with you and your friends or something like that. Like it is unsustainable to have every waking moment where you're not at work, be with that other person. Like, it's very important. I don't think anyone can do it. And for people who say, oh, yeah, I can do it. I know that there has to be times in the day where you're by yourself and you just like being by yourself. Like, it seems like, damn, bitch, you want to be in the bathroom with me while I'm taking a shit, too? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think it's very important that that your relationship has an opportunity. Like, sometimes it's just nice to be able to miss somebody. And like, sometimes people do that. I've heard a lot of things where people are like, yeah, my boyfriend sits on the t- on the uh, bathtub and talks to me while I'm peeing, or we talk to each other through the door while taking shit. And, like, if that's a relationship y'all have and y'all like that, that's fine. I'm just saying, like, people are still at a certain point entitled to do things by themselves and be with themselves. You know, that's no, you know, no judgment on other people's relationships and stuff. But in the confines of this conversation with this relationship, it's like, I mean, it's, I think, I think to me, it is unquestionable that you did something that was wrong and that you were an asshole. Um, even without the rest of the world telling you that you are, because clearly your boyfriend told that told you that you were because he said it was unacceptable it hurt his feelings you saw the hurt on his face like I don't think there's anything to be said even if someone else was to tell you no you're not the asshole or even if all of reddit and twitter agree with you you're not the asshole to your boyfriend what you did was an asshole thing to do and it hurt his feelings so regardless of you getting validation from outside from inside like you still did something wrong to your boyfriend it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if everybody in the world thinks that it's nice if your boyfriend thinks that you did an asshole thing then you did an asshole thing as it pertains to your to your relationship so in in my opinion it just so happens that everybody else agrees you know right yeah i mean and at no point are we saying that he didn't have 
some fault here as well. Like I think I think we're both saying like yeah, you know, but there are just better ways to to go about it. Like if there's somebody that is you know struggling with some type of the, of an uh, addiction or something like that the the last thing that they recommend is doing cold turkey because of the effects that it has on you like the residual effects that going cold turkey can have there's always some type of treatment or, or well yeah to, i mean okay well, i don't want to like, like well, we don't need to go that far it's like <laughs> I think well I mean I guess so if you're talking about like you know playing video games and getting that getting that dopamine hit and then just taking that away where it's like you go through withdrawals because you're used to getting that dopamine hit but I mean as far as like the withdrawal from addiction that's like your body's going through withdrawal because you had introduced a chemical element yes, to it yes. oh. and like your body's used to it just like with nicotine or caffeine even, and taking that away abruptly even if it's a reach what <laughs> the, the the mental the the way that it affects somebody mentally is all their own. You know what I mean? Like, so to sit here and be like, like I said, a big part of it was triggering for me here is just the the, the blatant disrespect yeah. for the gaming as a medium that he was using as a coping mechanism. But honestly, you didn't, I don't you even didn't think respect that and you didn't respect him. I'm gonna be honest. I don't even think that I think because she said gaming and the way like women tend to have the issue with like gaming and stuff like that and men playing games and stuff like that. Um, was a trigger for a lot of people, um, you know, men and women alike, because it's like, oh, all you women always do this shit about gaming, and women like, oh, yeah, dudes, all they do is game and all this kind of stuff. But I think regardless of what he chose, because he was not just spending all of his time with her, regardless of what he chose as an right. outlet, it, it would have been, been an issue else. for her. Yeah, right. anything. Right. So I think, you know, it's a big trigger um thing that he was doing for a lot of people where it's like oh you know women's issues with gaming and why is that and them thinking whatever they think about it and men feeling like oh yeah I can relate to that and I can relate to why it's you know a big trigger for us but honestly it could have been you know him painting pictures or doing something else I think anything that would have taken his time away from her where she didn't get to monopolize it would have been an issue for her so but the thing is like for example let's say he was painting and stuff like that right and that was his outlet and he just did hours and hours of painting do you know how fuck I would probably implode back to how I was before if I was painting something and let's say you took a paintbrush and took a glob of paint and just slashed it against my, my painting I would lose my fucking shit. And that sounds like something she would do. Fuck up your painting because you're not, you're not paying attention to or me. Like all, she would have done or, anything. Or take all the uh, supplies that I used to pay with. Take, take my paint, take my brushes. Like, yeah. Or like, but not even that it has to be like, not just coming home and then being gone. I think it would have to be how she did it in your face, throwing my shit in, into the garbage or, you know, just, swiping a big black streak or red streak again across the canvas of a painting that I was working on and spending all my time on like that that was the biggest thing that it's like the blatant disrespect doing it in front of their face and then looking at you like and that's what it seemed because especially the way that she said it and I just looked at him and he was you know you know looked all sad and stuff like that it's like it the way she built up the imagery it was like she walked over to the tv and the gaming council looked him dead in his fucking face and unplugged it and watched his reaction as the shit unplugged like 
So I'm saying it could have been anything. It could have been any of those things, like just that blatant disrespect of doing that shit in your face, no matter what it was. And I, that's how I feel about it. So um, it just so happens to be with gaming. And, you know, like I said, there there comes a whole bunch of feelings in regards to that between the dynamics of men and women. Um, even though there's lots of female gamers too, but you know, in this case between men and women and stuff like that in gaming, but it's just like, you know, if you can't deal with it, then like find somebody fucking else. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I get it. You can't just find somebody else after you spend so much time with somebody and you feel like you love them and stuff like that. But it's just like it, you know, if, if it's, if it's Eartha kit compromise, compromise for what? I don't want to compromise. I want to spend my time and have somebody who loves to spend my time with me too. They, they do that. But Eartha Kitt also didn't have somebody who was in her life like for a long ass time. And that's because she didn't want to compromise. And it's like, so if that's the case, then you need to have that conviction. Like Eartha Kitt, right. compromise for what? you know and people laughed and was like yeah i'm here for that and that's right eartha and it's like okay but then you have the consequences of that if you're not compromising for nothing if it's compromised for what then you see the result of that we're not having relationships that's the beauty of that quote for me because it's just like eartha had complete she stood in her shit 10 toes down and do that yeah like this is what i want like I'm, i'm fine with it and what do I need to compromise for? Do because that. But you can't say compromise for what in a relationship yeah. that will require compromise. Right. You cannot hold somebody emotionally hostage and bully them into just doing whatever you want to do. That's unfair. Speaking Unless of they are giving up their power like that to you. Unless you have that sort of power dynamic where it's like you do whatever. Some, and there's a lots of people who have that type of dynamic. Um, I, I think a lot of times they um, associate that with like S&M relationships where yeah. you have a submissive and you have a dominant. And if you if that for you is what you want to give up your power to somebody else, you don't want to have to think about things. You want them to tell you what to do and all that kind of stuff. If that can be a healthy that that can be a healthy relationship because mm-hmm. that's what you need. You have a person who wants to dominate somebody and you have a person who wants to be dominated. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have two people who are trying to be um who are trying to be autonomous people and think for themselves and you have that power exchange and exchange of power, you can't do that. If you want to be in a relationship where you want to be dominating, there is no exchange of power. You are the power. Then you need to find somebody who's going to do that with you. But if you want, oh, I want there to be give and take and we give to each other and blah, blah, blah. You can't act like that in that type of in that type of relationship. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong about that. There's nothing wrong about wanting that. You need to find somebody who will be in that type of relationship with you. And then it will be healthy. You cannot have a healthy relationship like that with someone who wants to have their own autonomy. Like you can't. And that's what it seems like. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you really and she may not be thinking of it in those types of terms, Mm -hmm. but it seems like from what you're saying, you want to dominate him and have him be all about you to be basically submissive to you. Do everything that you want to do when you want him to when you want him to do it. It's got to be all about you. And in the type of relationship that you're seeing as like, quote unquote, a normal relationship uh, that you want to have. Like that is toxic. That's toxic. Now, if you were having the type of relationship that we were talking before, where there is no power exchange and you've got all the power and you have someone who willingly wants to be submissive to Mm -hmm. you and they Mm -hmm. are happy with you, then that's healthy. But in the type of relationship you're in right now, that's toxic. Speaking of relationships, we have time for another segment. 
Do we? So, How long have we been talking? We we got time. Now we can we can touch on this quickly. But I don't know how quickly it can be. It's not going to be as long okay, as Okay, this, this is a surprise to me, so. Yes. Okay. But I was thinking, like, what do you think about the whole uh, Will and Jada Smith thing that's going on right now with the Red Table? So, wait, are we are we going to drop this episode this this yes. Okay, so then yes. we're going to switch up. Um, and, and we can do this in, like, 10 minutes if you want yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I thought I was here for it. Cause I remember I was I think I was coming back from work. It was Friday, yeah. Well, yeah, coming back from work. You came uh, well, I guess I guess this this works because all this stuff happened yeah. on the same day. Because we saw <laughs> we watched this before we watched. Um, uh, old guard. Yeah, the old guard. So, but I was like, oh yes, because apparent, you know, because of course, as we all know now, August Alcina got on Beyonce's internet and <laughs> and uh, had a conversation with Angela Yee, who was like the consummate instigator i have my own feelings about her like and we'll, we can get in that at another time because i used to listen to lip service and stuff but there's some i don't want to say insidious but there's kind of some fucked up stuff going on with lip service and it's just like you know i don't want to talk bad about nobody so maybe i i won't go into it because it's my own personal feelings but i had to stop listening to it because i don't think that there's anything wrong with talking about you know sexual freedom and all this other kind of stuff what i don't want to say it like that i don't want to dismiss it like that so sexual freedom being open about your body being able to have these type of conversations you know as women because men are freely able to um but sometimes it's like right message wrong messenger type of thing um and again you know perhaps I'll get into that more on something else or or not but um even within that dynamic you can tell when listening to the way Angela Yee talks with her co-hosts and stuff like that who are supposed to be her friends she does a lot of egging on about mm-hmm. things that she does not necessarily talk about herself, especially when we're talking about sex and stuff like that. I feel like the other women talk way more and in way more detail about things. And Angela is just sitting there laughing and encouraging them to talk more and may possibly say a couple of things about sex, but really doesn't ever her herself doesn't ever really get into talking about sex. I mean, if you listen to them and you actually like, sit there and think about that and listen to the people who are talking and going to detail. I think you will be hard pressed to find an episode where Angela Yee is really going in and talking about it. She's one of those people that sit there, watches, allows other people to talk, encourages them to talk more and basically instigates. And I feel like that's what she did with August. And she puts it behind a whole guise and screen of, Oh, I'm just the type of person that everyone can talk to and I accept everybody and all this other kind of stuff. But if you look at a lot of the stuff, even from like conversations with the breakfast club, especially with women that she, you can tell that she doesn't like, it's like, Oh, you, you a little funny. But anyways, all I say, all I say, August Alcina had the conversation with her. And then of course he brought up Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith and how, oh, big revelation. They had a relationship and he apparently, quote unquote, got Will's blessing and um, he put his whole self into it. And when they broke up, it shattered him and all this other kind of shit. 
So then the world was like, oh, shit, he done shook the table. Jada, Will, and, you know, their team came back and said, oh, that's not true. And, you know, Will never gave his blessing and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, well, what's the truth? Are they going to tell the truth? Because during the time when they were, like, all together and stuff like that, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you saw all the pictures of him hanging out with Jada and stuff, everyone was like, because, of course, you know, you have that thing, the speculation about Jada and Will's relationship and them having an open marriage or whatever. And that's, you know, that's always been a thing. So when that happened, they were like, oh, is this her new boyfriend or whatever? So the red table talk came out because she was like, I'm going to bring myself to the table. And they laid it out there. You know, uh, Will said that he kicked her to the curb. They were basically um, broken up because of whatever issues they were having. And during that time, she got into an entanglement (laughs) with August, with Augie. Or Aug, Aug, not Augie, Aug. with Aug. <laughs> and, um, you know, she just wanted to feel good and be happy. And, you know, Will took her to test. He said, come on, entanglement. What's that? What's an entanglement? She was like, an entanglement. He was like, nah, tell what it is. It was a relationship. She's like, okay, a relationship. So they talked about it and then talked about how, you know, as some married people will do when they are married and they love each other but they go through things they got back together and she was like yeah I didn't even really break up with him he just stopped talking to me and like we haven't talked since so for him to bring this up like that especially since he's the one that goes to her like what the fuck and to talk about he was so upset about it now I know a lot of people were saying oh especially because she mentioned and it was true that you know he was going through his physical ailments he was going through his mental ailments she was you know she took advantage of him she was sitting from a position of power and blah 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 and she's toxic and I'm like I think when people are friends and they're together and they spend so much time with each other and they get intimate it is not uncommon for them to have intimate relationships and I think the main reason why they're saying that is just because she's older. But I'm like, okay, but how many times have August Alcina done that to somebody or curved somebody or whatever? And then, of course, he again showed his ass because Kiki Palmer was like, you know, they somebody put up an old picture of Kiki Palmer chilling with August Alcina and was like, oh, we all together. And she was like, no, he was never my man. And then he get mad. And I'm like, yeah, I was never your man. You could never and you just mad that you got curved because you need to be mad at your friends because they showed me all your text messages asking about me and they asked me not to be you know to do this to you to save your mental health and it's like oh but you were just sitting there crying in front of Angela Yee about your mental health and how you gave your all in the relationship and Jada did this to you so I remember somebody had said put that up on um the shade room so I was like so it sounds to me like you just mad that Jada curved you and then some some uh account uh responded to my comment talking about uh sounds like to me based off that interview he curved Jada and I'm like I just said laugh out loud K because I'm like even if she said that she didn't come to the table talk to talk about how she got curved. She came to the table talk to talk about how August Alcina brought it up because clearly he was upset, even though he didn't want to stop talking to her because I gave my whole self to the relationship. And it's like, bitch, like, give it up. Nobody cares. 
because look at you you out here being you out here being toxic trying to take kiki palmer to task for replying to somebody who brought some shit up to her when you brought some shit up out of nowhere when oh conveniently you about to be dropping some new music and stuff like that like come on bro and i i was cracking up laughing when people was like yeah august alcina was on there talking to angelie given i should have cheated i was like yes with that fucking keisha cole red and orange hair and shit like that fucking like boy stop yeah it's um as far as the table talk i mean i i I had a lot of respect for jada and will for coming into their you know i guess their platform you know yeah um, and just basically breaking down what the shit was um and they were candid and for i feel like they were honest Um, yeah i think they were on so my thing is I look at it and appreciate it from two standpoints. So I appreciate from the standpoint of they were honest, they were vulnerable, they, you know, spoke their truth, they talked about how they work things out and stuff like that. And then from the other standpoint, I'm I'm okay with it from my petty standpoint of this was a calculated um attack mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. oh, so you gonna talk shit and you go and you gonna try and put our business out there? Cool. We're not gonna be all big, bad and mad and try to shut you down and stuff like that. Let's we're gonna come up and we're money. gonna say Oh, we still love Og, and I, I don't understand why he brought that up since he was the one who ended everything, and you know, uh, you know, just putting our business out there so that we can be open and honest because this is a place for healing, and like doing that as a calculated front to be like, well, bitch, you think you about to end us, boy? Like we are the masters of flipping shit and i love that so look whether or not they're just being open and honest and stuff like that and they're good people which i believe they're good people or they're being calculating and just like like playing the long game either way i'm fucking here for it and they turned the shit into money point blank yeah period. oh they the said it was like the um, on facebook uh talk. facebook tv or whatever yeah. whatever that thing is the facebook channel Get so bread big oh, yeah Get so bread I just found it funny also how a lot of the main toxic niggas on the internet was like, oh, look at Will. It could never be me. It's oh, always the we always get these. Like, it's we, always the, the people that don't know how to make shit work. Well, it's not that, but you know, there's that last. whole like hot, hot girl versus hot boy and, you know, no, um, no, women don't. always, well, yeah, so it was a big thing on the internet and I guess they're still keeping it going and, you know, who has the most points and stuff like that about being toxic and calling Jada toxic and stuff and then you got woke Twitter and woke Instagram talking about how she's toxic and look what she did to August and blah, blah, blah and misusing her and abusing her powers and stuff and it's like, you know, oh, how dare she call it an entanglement? It was definitely uh, a relationship and, you know, there were feelings there and she's invalidating them. And how could she do that to August and blah, blah. And it's like, first of all, well, not first of all, at the end, he stopped talking to her. Just, just ghosted. No, no discussion or nothing. So that's pretty fucking toxic one. So if we're going to talk about toxicity, the way that it fucking ended was toxic. If he just if he just goes to her with no conversation and shit like that, and I don't care what type of, you know, rationalizing you're supposed you're gonna try and do for that, saying oh well he could tell that they were getting back together and blah blah blah. It's like they were still married when he decided to pursue the relationship, which to me is toxic. So whatever, but so he did that, and then 
she never discredited his feelings to her she was just having fun Mm -hmm. to her she just wanted to feel good to her it wasn't that type of relationship she is not beholden to him to feel the same way he gave his all fine that's your truth you gave your all you love jada the feelings do not have to be mutual. And even if she did love you, it could still have been in the grand scheme of things an entanglement. But for it doesn't her. but it doesn't even matter. Even if you feel as though someone loves you and stuff like that, and even if and I don't think he said specifically that she said that she loved me and we were just in love and all that kind of stuff. And even if he did, no one is beholden to match your feelings or the level of your feelings. You cannot control people like that. So to say just because he said this was an intense relationship, this was intense for me, I gave my all, all this other kind of sh- stuff. She does not have to feel that way. She can feel the way that she wants to feel. And the way that people are trying to make it seem like she had to and because she didn't, she was toxic. That's toxic to me. Why must I feel the same way for you just because you feel that for me? I'm not, I have my own autonomy. I can feel whatever way I want to feel. And I feel like a lot of people were talking maybe And this is just my opinion. So I don't know if it's true and people can, you know, refute it or whatever. But it seemed to me that a lot of people were talking from a place of hurt of I know how it feels to love someone and to be, you know, whatever. And them not to reciprocate and to actually feel that they love me and all this other kind of shit. And then they just act like it was nothing. And it's like that is hurtful. And you are definitely entitled to being being hurt. And I've had those feelings before, too. But then it's like, what were you? Were there no signs that they were telling you that, hey, I don't really want to be in a relationship or they said it, even if they were acting all lovey dovey with you or whatever? Like and even if they didn't like still yet and still people are entitled to feel the way that they want to feel. Now, we can argue about if they were dishonest about it or blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, especially if they are saying too that this is not what it was for me then you have to respect that just like they have to respect the fact that this is what it was for you. We can have the conversation about it not being, you know, fair, but it's just like, I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, come on, you can't force her to like be all in love with him. August Alcina is a messy bitch. He likes robbery and fraud. Hey girls, just want to let you girls know I'm a messy bitch who lives for a (laughs) comma. I love robbery and fraud. Point blank to me, it just seemed like, all right, you know, he came into the situation. He met his homeboy mom, who he's probably always crushing on because she's Jada fucking Pinkett. Why the fuck wouldn't you be crushing on her? Her and Will was going through something. They they basically broke up. They basically broke up. And he had opportunity to, to, to mess with her, deal with her or whatever. And I guess he thought that whatever he was feeling was more real than she did. And when he found out that it wasn't what he thought it was, he ghosted. Mm-hmm. Got got his feelings hurt and his look. Hey, turnabout is fair play because let's think about it. How many girls have you done that to? So look, sometimes you get your karma back in spades. Hey, well, <clears throat> that is our little uh, <clears throat> read on that whole situation. I'm incredibly proud of Will and Jada. Like I said, I really um, feel like there was a lot of genuineness, and, and even from my wife's point of view, um, even knowing the petty angle. Like, they got a lot of fucking money off this. Like, so people can sit here and laugh on the Instagrams and Twitters and, and social media, but it's just like, 
at the end of the day, they're back together. They're strong. And they're laughing to the fucking. Oh, yeah. This is going to blow over, especially because they did it the way that they did it. People are not going to care. And like, I mean, not to be petty and stuff like that. But when it happened and I was thinking about it, I'm like, who the fuck is the August Alcina? And not to be like literal, like, of course, I know who he is, but I can't even really tell you like a song of his. And from what I can remember, when he first came out, his claim to fame was that he was a friend of Trey songs like that was his protege or his mentor. And he sounded like him. So it's like, we already got one of those. We don't need you unfortunately sorry i'm sure that you have lots of fans and good for you but for me i was like this does not encourage me to want to listen to your music when i feel like there's lots of music that is similar that i can just partake in that's probably better anyway so all right well you know uh, that's that's uh that's pretty much the show there folks um make sure y'all like follow us on Instagram at Blurred Life with my wife. If you want to see the Am I Asshole segment, uh, we posted it there. If you want to go ahead and give you yeah. two cents, uh, follow me on Twitter where I tweet my thoughts at the Marshall LP. Um, follow us on Twitter for the show at BLWMW Pod on twitter interact with us there yeah i mean i guess you could follow me but you will uh soon find that i don't do a lot of posting i used to but i just kind of fell off part of it also is like i just don't have no time during the day especially like on the weekdays because of work stuff i mean just the nature of my work anyways but yeah that's okay baby hey listen and big huge huge shout out to um somebody that donated to us yes that's right uh shout out to you my man i appreciate you Corey j for uh putting us in your story and and everybody else who's just show love for the podcast so far but definitely 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 yeah i mean i don't know his, his um donation i don't want to put you out there or anything like that but if you guys want to go follow him Corey j28 on instagram like dope guy um we've known him for a couple of years thank you for being like our first patron if you guys want to donate um as well you know um you can actually do it through, through anchor, anchor yep. but thank you so much um we definitely appreciate the love and we definitely appreciate you know you you believing in us and stuff like that you're awesome uh and yeah thanks so yeah without further ado i think we'll go ahead and call it i'll think of a snazzy name for this episode it's going to be like an amalgamation of a couple of different segments that we went through but um best of luck to everybody here in, in quarantine and you know they're trying to open up the world again and uh, hopefully everybody stays safe and healthy and um, um with their loved ones and all of that good shit too and um any anything else babe no nah, that's it i'm good all right well this has been blurred life with my wife yet again i'm marshall i'm courtney and i'll check y'all later bye